Well, last week, one of the things that we, we began to speak about, I kind of ended on it, if you remember, uh, for those who caught the live stream, uh, I had the picture of the children opening their gifts, and they were so excited. And I, I, I said that we need to be like children a little bit more. And you've, I'm sure if you've been in the church, you've heard that before. Be like children. And some people take that very literally. Um, I remember um, a dear friend, uh, Gary Schneider, those who know, uh, he passed away suddenly a couple weeks ago. He lived out that, that lifestyle of living like a child, sometimes more than what his wife wanted him to. But he was just fun, and he had energy, and he had excitement that you could just tell he loved God, and he loved loving on people. And so I, I'm taking now, we're moving to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, because I want us to dig a little bit deeper on this last Sunday of Christmas before we enter into the epiphany and before we have the baptism of Jesus, before we get to any of that, I want us to just stop and think about again what it would mean to be a child because we are in fact children of God. So then what does that look like? How do we live that out? And, and more and more than anything else, why in the world would God do that for us? The word that we're going to be looking at and the word uh, that you would see if you read the entire book of Ephesians is the word mystery. Paul is taking his time to talk about the mystery of Christ, the mystery of why God would send his son for us so that we could have what he has given to us. And so we're going to address that today. If you are able, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word today in Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, and according to the riches of his grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. He has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say thanks be to God. 
You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, I pray that your spirit might work in our hearts and minds to convict us and to encourage us, to shed light into our hearts and into our homes, our communities, our workplaces, as to what it means, the impact it means to be a child of God. We pray this to God the Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, first off, I have to say, this, this section is very difficult to read. Uh, just, just reading it, because if you were to try to break it down grammatically, uh, and do, uh, we, we did this a little bit in college, where you diagram a sentence, it would be painful to do so, because in, in the Greek, this is actually one long sentence. Now, I'm used to getting yelled at by teachers for having run-on sentences. Paul is worse yet. I mean, this is 12 verses of one single sentence. Um, but he has a point, and he's building these layers. And so today we're going to talk about these, these three different layers that continuously help us see then what God is doing through this mystery of Christ, which is made evident as we celebrate Christmas, where Christ came as a child so that he could live and die and raise again for the forgiveness of our sins, right? That's, that's the whole story in, in, in a nutshell. And so what we are looking at is something that we have to, we have to stop and really consider the fact of what it means that God knows all, that God is all-powerful, that God was before time itself. All these things that we declare about God are so important for our understanding today because, well, we would be helpless without the fact that God could change and work and do everything before even this earth was formed. We read it in the John chapter 1 passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God bringing about this idea that Christ himself was with God. He was not created. He existed. And so, the phrase I want us to think about today is that before everything, it was the will of God. Before everything. Before time began, before earth was created, before you were born, before your parents were born, before you got your job, before you had your children, before everything, it was the will of God. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that God willed all those bad things in your life to happen or God willed you to make those bad choices. No, no, it's, we're, we're taking a much broader look at this. Before everything, it was God's will to do one thing in everything that he created which was to bring about redemption. And so we see this play out as Paul begins to write. Right at verse 4, we see the, the first kind of section. And, and these, I, I call them, a, it, it's the, these three layers. Uh, each one has two sections. One is what God sought to do, and then how God went about doing it. And so it was the will of God in verse 4 to choose us, right? It says it here, just as he 
chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, which dials right back to Pastor Jessica's Sunday school teaching on holiness and how God is holy and he calls us to live holy. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So it was God's will before everything to choose us. Now, I'm not just saying us here in general. I'm saying creation. All, all humans were chosen by God. He said, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to call you. I'm going to make you special before the foundation of the world. And how then does he go about doing this? By adopting us as his children. Because when he created us, we were simply that. We were his creation. We don't see this kind of interaction with animals. We don't see this kind of interaction with the trees or the plants or the grass of the field. God does not hold as special a place in his heart for those things as much as he does for humans. And so we see that he, he chose us and then he, he goes on to adopt us because the only way we can be chosen is to become more than just his creation. We must become his children. And so, in verse 5, we see we are adopted. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to his good will. Everything that he's doing, he's not just leaving us to be those that he made. He wants us to be those who belong with him, which is something very different because, I mean, think about your own household. Your children, I hope, have higher priority than the things in your house, right? Right? If there's a fire in your house, your first thought is to get your children out, right? Yeah, moms, dads, I know some days you're thinking, ah, but the hope is because they are yours. They, they belong to you in a special way that no created thing, even that nice drawing that they did for you when they were two or, or that little pottery thing that they made, or that, that can burn, that can be destroyed, you don't want your children to be destroyed. That is the difference here that we begin to see as God is taking his creation. And this is beginning to show the, the mystery as to why he would do this. Because he doesn't want us just to be creatures. He wants us to be children. And so in order to do that, he must move forward. And, and so this is where then we, we move on. And it is the will of God then to forgive us because as his creatures, he gave us a certain way to live and we chose not to live that way. We choose not to live that way. Some people actively, continuously choose to not live that way and we call that sin, right? We need forgiveness for that because we are going against the rule, the law of God and somehow that has to be made up you go and speed in a school zone, guess what? The cop busts you, you get a ticket, you get in trouble. Somehow you have to rectify that. Now for God, instead of us having to pay something, instead of us having to do something, we then are forgiven through Christ. We see this in verse 7 where he says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the blood on the cross that was shed, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Now, is the will of God to do this. Remember this, we have what God wants to do and we have how God 
is going to do it. It was the will of God to lavish us with this, with this grace. Wesleyan folks would call this pervenient grace, where we believe that God causes the sun to shine on both sinful people and holy people. We believe that God allows good things to happen to both good people and bad people. We, we believe that God is caring for people even if they don't deserve it. And he doesn't just do this begrudgingly. He doesn't just do this in a way that, well, I guess you are nice to your brother or sister today, so I'm going to do something good for you. He is choosing to lavish his grace upon us. And this is the crux of the entire conversation because this is why Christ came, lived, suffered, and died instead of finding some other route, instead of coming up with some other contrived way because he wanted to lavish his love, his grace on us. So he went to the extreme measure of doing that. Now I have something to help us picture this being lavished upon. I did not come up with the original idea. It goes back to a pastor in college, but I have modified it enough to claim it kind of as my own. Who likes hot chocolate? Yeah, who likes that? Sophia, can you come up here, please? I, I figured you were one who liked hot chocolate. So I have, uh, I have some hot chocolate. I'm, I'm going to make up for you here. So... This is nice, fresh, hot water. Be careful because it's hot, okay? Um, hot chocolate. I love hot chocolate, right? Especially when you come outside from the cold, playing in the snow. This is a lot of good hot chocolate. Can you hold this, please? So here's some hot chocolate. This is, this is like your life, okay? God created you. He, he, it's hot chocolate, right? But who doesn't like whipped cream on their hot chocolate, right? Whipped cream is delicious, Yes? Yes, you like whipped cream. So, so normal people would say, okay, here you go. Here's some whipped cream. But no, God is saying, I'm, I'm lavishing my grace upon you. And so here, I want you to understand how much I love you. I want you to understand how much you mean to me. So here is the whipped cream. This is all my grace, all my love, all my affection, everything for you, okay? I hope you liked whipped cream for your chocolate. So this is God lavishing his grace on you. Do you need some more? I, I'll give you some more. Okay, okay. I mean, is, is that enough? No? No, you want more. Okay. This is, this is how God, I mean, I'm running out of container here, but um, this is how God lavishes his love and his grace upon us. Okay, I really don't, but I'll leave you with a spoon so that you can kind of you are good. You can, you can actually even keep the mug if you would like, and you can certainly eat it and drink it um, because that will melt and make a mess if you don't. So thank you. You can go have a seat now. Do we, do we get the idea here? Okay, this is, this is how God is lavishing his love upon us. This is how he's giving his grace for us because he wants us to be his children. And so he says, I'm not just going to give you a little bit. I'm not just going to care for you just in a tiny way. No, no, I'm giving you so much because I want you to understand without a doubt, without a doubt, what you mean to me. 
And he does this for every single person. Before everything. Before you were created. Before you sinned. Before you ever told God to buzz off because you didn't like him. Before, before everything. He did that for you. So that you could become his child. This is the mystery of Christ. This is what makes Christmas so wonderful. But he doesn't stop there. Because we do have something we need to do. I would be remiss to not give us something that we have to bring into our lives, right? We, we have to be changed by this still, right? And so we then have in verse 12 and 13, the, one of the reasons he is doing all this. He, it was the will of God for us to praise him. Not that God needs praise. God isn't some egocentric being that says, I want people to bow down and tell me how great I am. But he wants to bring us into this, this praising of him that helps us see how good he is, that, that helps us realize how blessed we are. This is what like Sunday morning is supposed to be about. It's supposed to bring us into a, a mode of worship where we praise him and we say, how great is our God? Where we notify and we, we, we realize the, the blessings, the, the prevenient grace that he's given, how he's cared for us and how he's called us, and we share that with others. And so it's the will of God that we praise him. As it says in verse 13, in him you also, when you had heard the word, the gospel, or sorry, verse, verse 12 first, and so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. Now, Paul specifically is talking about the Jews who came to Christ, the Jews who, who realized that Jesus was the Messiah first. He said, we, we began doing this and we, we praised him. And now this then extends to all those who become Christians. As we praise God, we then help rub off on other people, right? As, as we go throughout this life, even in the worst, uh, coming out of the worst year many of us have ever had or, or close to having, as we praise God, that rubs off on other people and they begin to see that. And that's exactly what happened when the Jews began to re realize that Jesus was the Messiah. They began to worship God and then Gentiles caught on and they said, oh my goodness, this is amazing. You have something special. I want it. And, and so then it spreads. And so then it becomes God's will that we all become marked for salvation. We become marked by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that is so, so critical. In him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you heard God's word, when you heard it in your mind, and had believed in him, when you believed in Christ, were marked with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. I go into this a bit more in the commentary that gets posted uh, on Mondays. But to be marked is a sign of ownership. Fun fact, piercings, body piercings, were a way to show that you were owned by someone. And a slave, when they were brought into a master's household, they took a metal awl 
a little sharp metal piece, took their ear and on the doorpost of their house, poof, and pierced their ear to show that they were marked and belonged to that master. And so here we have, when we, when we realize all this, when, when, we, when we begin to understand God's provenient grace and we begin to see how it's working and we accept it all, when we hear it and we believe, as Paul says, we begin to get marked by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, this isn't a metal piece piercing our ear. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, that sounds a little painful. Um, no, no, it's, it's, it's much, much worse. It is the Spirit of God working and churning our hearts and our minds. It's that voice in your head when you say something or do something and you go, oh, golly, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or you do something and you say, ah, I need to go apologize. That's the Holy Spirit saying, uh-uh, you did something wrong. Uh, no, no, you don't belong to your sinful nature anymore. You belong to God, which means you act like this. Because you are his child and his children have to act in this way. Your, his children have to live as a, a what was the holy night, law of love and his gospel of peace. That's how we, we live. And so, before everything, it was also God's will that we be marked as belonging to him. Praise God for the Holy Spirit who has the power to actually change us and move us and make us and, and make us something better than what our sinfulness could ever produce. And so... As we go throughout this day, as we go throughout this week, my, my prayer is that we realize that before everything, before every bad decision we ever made, before our families, before our jobs, before our education, before how much money we make, before, before anything, it was God's will to choose us, to adopt us, to forgive us, to lavish us so that we might praise him and be marked as belonging to him. And this will of God is not just for the privileged. It's not just for the few. It is for all people. Think about that. Think about those people that you find difficult. Think about those people you find annoying. Think about those people you don't quite jive with. Those people that you say, oh, if I could not see them for a week, I would be happy. It was before everything that God's will was for them to also share in this. And it was God's will that we might be the light that helps them see that which begins to challenge us as his children to live a life probably a little bit differently than what we want to. Find ways to where we can lavish other people with blessings that we have been given. As we close, we are going to, we're going to celebrate today in communion because, well, first off, why, why not, right? Why not come to the table of Christ together? But more, more so, 
to celebrate communion in this time is, is to truly realize that we belong with Christ. We belong as his children. Because as Christ gathered his disciples together and he, he began to give them the, the actual work of communion, this is my body, this is my blood, and everything, it, it brings us back to the fact that we have been bought with a price. The mystery of why God would come as a baby was revealed in its fullness on the cross. And every time we take communion, every time we, we celebrate this, this sacrament, this special thing, we remember that. And we give God glory for what he gave for us. The cross was the most lavish demonstration of love that God could ever have given us. The communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation, are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so we pray. Holy God, we gather at this, your table, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners and establish the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ. That, way, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. 
In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, as our Savior, Christ, has taught us, let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pastor Jessica can come up and help me distribute these. Each cup is two cups together. The top cup holds the juice, and then the bottom cup has the piece of bread in it. Uh, so you just need to grab one cup. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you, preserve you blameless until everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you, and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed for you, preserve you blameless until everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And be thankful. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, what can we say except thank you? Thank you that before everything, before we chose you, before we decided that we wanted something more than our lives could offer, before we were even born, before we were even thought of, and before even time began, you chose us. You chose us so that we might become adopted children of yours. That we might not just be your creation, but we might become your children. And you lavished us with your grace and your love and your mercy so that we might see and understand, so that we might perceive what you are doing in this world. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all those moments, all those people, all those words that were spoken that helped us understand and see just how much you loved us. Oh Lord, help us to share that with others. Help us to share that with those whom we despise the most. Help us to share that with those who are the most difficult to belong with. Help us to do that with those whom society deems worthless. Help us to do that with those whom society says, do not be with. Because you came eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors. Let us not think that we are any better than you. But that our company might be of the same. Thank you, Lord. For the most marvelous mystery revealed to us on the cross 
as you lavished your blood and your body upon the world that you created for the redemption and forgiveness of our sins. As we close this morning, I encourage you to raise your hands for the receiving of the benediction blessing. Gracious God, you have redeemed us through Jesus Christ, the firstborn of all creation, whose birth we celebrate as a child of Bethlehem. Bless us with every spiritual blessing that we may live as your adopted children and witness to your glory with unending praise and thanksgiving. Amen. I now send you out into your communities to make Christ-like disciples. Go in the grace of God. God bless you.